0: Hebrews chapter 11 verses uh, 1 to 12. Uh, I'm going to read from New International Version. Now faith is in confidence in what we hope for and assurance for uh, about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous, when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he commanded the world and became a heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, uh, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as that, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Hey,
1: good morning, everyone. Boy, when they have a... Newton Reunit. It really clears out the room, doesn't it? Yeah. We're only about maybe half, half the amount of people that are normally here from the looks of things. So you can't see it from sitting down there, but you can see it from up here for sure. So good morning to everyone and uh, good morning to those who might be at home watching and uh, and welcome any visitors that we might have here with us. You might notice the title, Let's Get Uncomfortable, and maybe just looking at the title gets you uncomfortable. I don't know. But we're going to be talking about something specific with two major points. They'll come out as we go through the lesson together. I find it interesting when you prepare your lesson, you come here and everything, and then you hear the Lord's Supper talk, and they touch on things that you talk, talk about in your lesson, and it's completely unplanned. You didn't talk to them. They didn't talk to you. You know, you didn't communicate with each other, but yet you're talking about a lot of the same things, and I'm always amazed at that, and that's, I I think, the divine providence of God. God works in a lot of ways, and And it's amazing to see these things play out. So we had the reading from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 12. Uh, I decided to use this reading to give background for our text, which is found in verses 13 to 16. That's the section we're going to look at this morning. In verses 1 and 2, we read that faith is being sure and certain, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Well, the Greek word translated as certain means Proof or evidence or conviction. So faith is being certain, being convicted of what we do not see. Just like our faith, we're convicted. We're convicted in our faith in Jesus and what he did. But we're convicted in what we do not see. That is our faith. We believe. So the people to whom the writer wrote to understood that they were not to hold on to things of this world, but rather on to the heavenly things and the heavenly promises Things unseen by the human eye. And we're going to talk more about this later as we get into the lesson. So this faith is being sure of what we hope for, the author said. Well, at first, we might think that that hope is referring to the return of Jesus. You know, his death, burial, resurrection, and he's coming back for us, the second coming. And you might think that that's what it is, but not likely. Since after this, he goes into detail about the faith of Abraham, Noah, Enoch, and others. And they all lived a very long time ago, before Jesus died and was buried and resurrected. So it's not likely the second coming that they're talking about. The faith is being sure of what we hope for, the author said. It is very likely that the being sure of what we hope for, to which the author was referring to, was the life we get to live after this one. That's why I was thinking of what Ray talked about and the passage of scripture he used in Hebrews chapter 9. You know, in the same book. You know, talking about we die once and then face judgment. So it's interesting we're touching on these same things. And so that's that's what that hope is. That is that we get to live forever with God after our walk, after our journey here on earth. And so Abraham, Noah, Enoch, others knew that one day they would be with God. They would be in heaven, a heavenly place. Now in the section we looked at, verse 3, and through the rest of the chapter shows us Examples of faith. And so by faith, we understand that God spoke creation into existence. Well, God was able to create all things just by saying it. Can you imagine? So it's by faith that we understand that God did this. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. And by faith, we understand that God created the universe, created all things. We believe and we trust that God brought the universe itself into existence by speaking it. You imagine if you had the ability to just look at your hand and go, mocha cappuccino, boom, and something appeared in your hand. Or is it a brand new car, boom, or a brand new house, or something like that. Well, of course we can't imagine that because that would make us deity, wouldn't it? We can't imagine power like that because only God has power like that. But this testifies to how powerful God truly is. He just spoke creation into existence. Verses 4 to 7 talks about the faith of people who lived before Abraham. Notice the the pattern we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 4 to 7, faith of people before Abraham. Verses 8 to 12, Abraham, his faith. 17 to 19, faith of Abraham again. And then verse 20 down, the faith of people after Abraham. So notice the pattern. Before Abraham, Abraham, then the section we're covering, Abraham again, people after Abraham. So it's it's pretty interesting when we see these patterns when we look through scriptures. And so our text covers verses thirteen to sixteen, where it's right in the middle. And this whole chapter talked about people who lived by faith. The whole chapter, go through it, you'll see it. it has all kinds of examples. Talked about different people who lived by faith. But chapter 12, verse 1, in that verse, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That great cloud of witnesses is everybody mentioned in chapter 11. So if you want to put a note in your Bible, great cloud of witnesses, chapter 11, everybody listed there. So the writer of the book of Hebrews was making a point. Those who the people of God were not those who held on to the law of Moses, but rather were the people who held on to faith and lived by faith. He made this very same point in the book of Romans. We already covered that in our Roman series, that those who live by faith are sons of God, not those who hang on to the law of Moses. So in chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews, the writer talked about Jesus being greater than Moses, and his covenant was a superior covenant to the old Mosaic covenant. We are going to talk a little bit about this next week. We're going to cover some of this. And so the old covenant was replaced by a better one. And you can't be saved by holding on to the old one. You could still practice Judaism today, but you can't be saved by it. So obviously the writer was trying to get through to some Jewish Christians who held to this idea that even though they were a Christian, they still had to hang on to that law of Moses. So he deals with that. All throughout the book of Hebrews. When you go through, he's comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. He's comparing the things they did under the old one and the things you do under the new one. And so, the writer makes another point. That everyone, both before and after Abraham, was commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Not yet, anyway. So let's get into our text. Let's start with verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11. And listen to this. All the stuff that we heard from the reading, we we heard about Enoch, we heard about Noah, we heard about Abraham, we heard about their faith. And then we read in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. So we can clearly see from all the verses before this and the ones after That we are not just told to have faith, but we are also told to live by faith, which implies a lifetime of discipline and obedience. We're to live by faith. It is one thing to believe, it is another to show it. We're talking about action. I've used this example before. I tell my wife I love her. How does she really know that I love her? Well, for those of you who are husbands and those men that are here, well... Maybe it's making her breakfast in bed. Maybe it's buying her roses. Maybe it's buying something you know she likes. It's action. It's something that can be seen. It's something that your wife will go, ah, I know you love me because you wouldn't have done that if if you didn't. Even maybe just the way that you look at her, it's an action, and she knows that you love her. And so to show our love requires action. But to show our faith also requires action. Faith isn't just something we feel. It's something that has to be expressed. It's something that requires action. We need to show our love to Christ by a lifetime of faithfulness. We need to show it by doing what he says in his word, the Bible. Take a look at these verses, and these are Jesus speaking here, all these passages that we look at. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, verse 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And then finally, John 15, verses 9 and 10, say, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. So love cannot be separated from action. But neither can faith. It requires action. You might have faith in in God, but I can't see that faith until I see it expressed by your actions in some way. I can look at you and go, "Uh, I don't know if he's got faith or she's got faith. But the way you live your life, the things that you say, the things that you do, tell me that you have faith. That's how we know. So this is what we see in every person that the writer listed in chapter 11. He was talking about people who live by faith. By faith they did this. By faith they did that. Their faith expressed by action. All throughout chapter 11. We could see it. One example was in verse 31. That by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies and hid them, was not killed with those who were disobedient, it says. She is listed as one of the many who was obedient. If you were to study about Rahab, you'd learn that she had heard stories of the great and powerful God. She had learned about the things that God had done and so she hid the two spies. And it wasn't just because she was being nice to them. If they were there, she meant the army was coming. It meant God was coming. So she believed that if they were, if they were there, God's coming. And so she wanted to be on the winning side. She wanted to be with God. Later, that, after that account of, of Rahab, when you read about it, we read that she joined the Israelites, and she became one of God's people with great faith. So she and all the people mentioned Again, in chapter 11 here, lived by faith. And it's an obedient faith, a faith that required action, showing their faith by the way they lived until death. So that's what we understand from Hebrews chapter 11. The text says in verse 13 that all the people listed who lived by faith did not receive the things promised, but only saw them from a distance. Well, they were God's people who were looking to the future. They knew that the promised things would be coming. God made a promise. They knew that God would keep his promise. It wasn't going to happen in their lifetime, but they knew it was coming. They knew the promise did not lie in the land where Abraham was. Abraham and his descendants understood the promise was coming. It was a heavenly city. It was an eternal reward. They all understood that. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. And I'm always amazed when I think about this because I've had conversations with people who thought that Jesus and Moses and Abraham were aliens and that aliens were coming back for us. And there's even, believe it or not, there's actually a religious group called the Raelians where they believe that everybody mentioned the Bible is aliens and they're coming back for us. It's kind of crazy, but it's true. You can check it out for yourself. And I wish I were kidding, but I'm not. But it stands to reason that it's not talking about aliens from outer space, right? Other translations say strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. So the Greek word for the first word mentioned, aliens, means a foreigner, a stranger. Notice this part. Alien from a person or a thing without a share in it. So notice that one. Let me read that again. Alien from a person or a thing without a share in it. That last part, without a share in it. So when the NIV uses the term aliens, it's referring to people who live in a land which they didn't consider it to be their home. They didn't consider having a share in it. They were there, but this this wasn't their home. And they are like strangers living there. The second Greek word used, which is translated as strangers in the NIV, pilgrims in other translations, means one who comes from a foreign country into a city or land to reside there by the side of the natives. So someone who comes to a foreign land and lives with the people. Here, specifically in the text, it refers to heaven as their true home, their true country, and they're just temporarily staying on earth, staying with these folks, these people here. So take a look now at verses 14 and 15. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. So we as God's people should feel uncomfortable As we live in this world. This is where I come to the title. Being uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable with sin. Uncomfortable with the idea that this is our real home. Living on earth. Now I'm not saying you can't be comfortable in your home. I'm not saying you can't have some form of comfort. But uncomfortable in our minds with the idea. That this place is our real home. We should remember and consider that heaven is our home. We should always have that in our minds. That we're looking forward to that home. Because that's our true home. It says, When we talk like this, we show that we are looking forward to going there. Abraham and others were thinking of heaven as their home, and they stayed in the land they were living. They were not thinking of the homes and lands they left. If that were so, they would have had opportunity to go back there, it says. They weren't thinking of that. They were living with these folks here in this land, but this wasn't their home. They lived there as strangers and aliens in their minds. They said, I'm not comfortable here. I know where my true home is. That's fine. I'll live here. I'll tough it out. Verse 16 now. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You notice, they were looking forward to heaven. That's what they were waiting for. They went where God told them to go because they knew anywhere on earth was just a temporary home. They were looking forward to heaven. They were looking forward... To a place that they could live in peace without sin, without fear, without persecution. And so they lived out their lives here looking forward to that. Looking forward to that life, to that home. They held on to that promise of going to heaven by living faithful and obedient lives on earth. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared heaven for them. Think of those words. Prepared heaven for them. Following God and trusting him and obeying him will lead a person into God's presence, into heaven itself, to live forever. This is what the ancients were commended for. They were praised for this. That's what commended means. They were praised for it. They were certain of what they couldn't see. They couldn't see God face to face, but one day they knew they would. They had faith, and faith is trusting, obeying, and believing in what we can't see. And we should have that same kind of faith. We know heaven exists. We know it's there. We know we're going there after this life. That is our faith, being sure of it, being certain of it, being convicted of it. So they were sure of what they were hoping for. They were certain of what they couldn't see. So like them, we do not belong here, but we belong with God. We live here by faith. Later, we will live in heaven by sight. Think about that. We live here by faith. Later, we will live in heaven by sight. We will actually see God face to face. We will see heaven. We will be in the very presence of the Ancient of Days. We will be in the very presence of God himself. Imagine. Think about that. That is mind-blowing. The thought of, hey, one day I'm going to leave here and I'm finally going to be reunited with God and see God face-to-face and spend time with God and walk with God and talk with God. Can you imagine? So the promise of the promised land is not just for God's people of the past, but is also for us today. It is... For all who believe and accept Jesus as Lord and live their lives for him until death. I want, to, I want to read some verses from John chapter 14. It's interesting, Ray went there, John chapter 14 and verse 6 he read. But back up, verses 1 to 4, listen to what Jesus says here. For those who follow Jesus until death, listen to what it says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. That's the promise that we have. The promise from Jesus that he's going to come back one day and get us. We have the promise of heaven. So while we live in this world... We shouldn't be comfortable with the world. We shouldn't be comfortable with the idea that this is my home. We should be comfortable with the idea that heaven is my home, and one day we're going to go there. So the way to heaven is through Jesus, by hearing and responding to the gospel, and then living the rest of your life for Christ. Have you done that yet? If so, are you really living your life for Christ and being faithful to him? Examine yourselves and ask yourself, am I really living my life for Christ and being faithful to him? Am I doing what I'm supposed to? Is my faith being played out by action? Or am I just saying I'm faithful? Am I idle? Am I busy? Am I getting busy doing the work of the Lord? If you have not heard or responded to the gospel, won't you do that this morning? So that you might have that same hope that all of God's people have. The hope of going to heaven one day. Won't you do that this morning as we have our invitation song at this time?